Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Sam, if you don't know me. Uh, Derek messaged me the other week and he was like, oh, Sam, you should um, pick a Bible passage that has really been on your heart. And um, I was kind of I was kind of thinking about it for a little bit. And then I chose this one, which was that really dark picture of humanity. You kind of felt it as we were going through it. And you're probably thinking, oh, Sam, you poor soul. That's, that's what's been on your heart so lately. Um, but hopefully today, as we work through that passage, we'll actually see how good it is to think about um, some of the dark and hard things that are in the Bible together. Um, So how about we pray together and ask God to help us as we do that. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that by your grace, you would open our hearts and minds, not just to see the beauty of the gospel, but also to see the sinfulness of sin, the darkness of sin, so that we might better appreciate you and all of your goodness. We pray that ultimately we would leave as those, those filled with your spirit who are joyful and happy because of what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder for you what makes you happy. You go through life, what kind of gives you joy? Uh, what gives you satisfaction or good spirits or just good times? Um, it could be your family, it could be uh, your friends, it could be having a job, it could be the money that your job gives you, it could be uh, a whole smash of things, it could be being healthy, it could be not being sick, it could be just seeing all the greenery around as Beck and I drove in, that certainly made us happy uh, as we came from Brisbane yesterday. I wonder what makes you happy? Over the centuries, uh, this kind of question has actually been wrestled with by Christians. Christians have wondered, how can I be happy in life and in death? And a group of Christians in the 1500s, well, this was their answer. First, I need to know how great my sins and miseries are. Second, I need to know how I've been delivered from all my sins and miseries. You see, for these Christians, a knowledge of their sin and a knowledge of how to be delivered from sin could somehow make them happy in the everyday, in life and even in death. And so this morning, we're going to think about how great are our sins and miseries. And then we're going to think about how we've been delivered from them. And my prayer is that we leave today, we do leave happy in the God who has saved us. So how great are our sins and miseries? Well, we read that passage this morning in the book of Romans. And if we start at verse 18, we actually see that our sins and miseries are incredibly great. So great, in fact, that it causes God, verse 18, to reveal his wrath against all who are evil. We see it in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. You see, those who don't know the Lord Jesus, those who don't, who, those who don't trust him and believe in him, are miserably stuck under God's anger, under his wrath. Now, when you hear the word wrath there, I don't want you to kind of think like a a temper tantrum 
as if Ted was maybe chucking a tantrum right now. I don't want you to think of an abusive husband or someone who is so angry that they're out of control. That's not what God is like when he is angry. No, God in his anger, the good God, it is this settled, righteous anger toward evil. This good God has this settled, righteous anger against sin. It's not a temper tantrum. The wrath of God is being revealed against all who are evil, who don't know the Lord Jesus. And you might be wondering, well, why is God doing this? Why is he angry with evildoers? And we see it there in verse 19 to 23. God is doing this because God has made himself known and humanity has rejected him. We see it in verse 19 to 20. The wrath of God's being revealed since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You see, God has made himself known to the whole world. He's made himself known by what he's made. You look at the world around you and you can see the fingerprints of God. You see his goodness by making good things. You see his power, his otherness, his godness because he can create from nothing. You see that he's above it all because he makes it work together. God has clearly made himself known to everyone by the world around us, by creation. And yet humanity, for no good reason, has rejected this God. You see, you actually don't see a a reason in the passage. It just says God made himself known and they exchanged him. They suppressed him. They rejected him. We see that in verse 21 to 23. For although they knew God, for although they knew God, that's humanity, they neither glorified him as God nor gave, him, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. You see, humanity has exchanged God. You see, the God who is immortal, humanity has exchanged him for mortal things, created things. The God who is the creator, they've exchanged him for created things. The God who is above it all, the God who is glorious, they've traded him in for earthly things. Lesser things. For no good reason, humanity has rejected this God who has made himself known. You see, humanity has exchanged God, loved the creation, the world around us, the things in this world, more than the creator. It's kind of like people who love Apple products over Steve Jobs. I don't know, you might be Apple fans here. I'm a bit of an Apple fan. Uh, it's like having the iPhone or the iMac or the iPad and it's like loving that thing, the created thing, more than the creator, Steve Jobs. Like, I, I don't, 
like you probably don't put your iPhone out and go like, oh yeah, Steve Jobs, what a good guy. Like you don't think like that. You love the created thing more than the creator. And that's kind of what it's like for us as humans without the Lord Jesus is we love the creation, the things in this world more than the God who made it. You see, humanity are a people who are meant to be oriented toward God. And we have turned inward and we're oriented toward ourselves. And as a consequence, God is letting out his anger upon us, upon evildoers. That's why God's doing it. The next question you might be wondering, you're like, okay, God, this God, he's kind of revealing his anger. Why is he doing it? Um, it's because we've rejected him. But how is God doing it? That might be the next question you have. How is God actually doing this? The question is answered by Paul in verse 24 and verse 26 and 28. And I'll just, hopefully, mum can just follow along there. But how is God showing his anger to the world? It's by handing people over to sin. You actually see that in the verses themselves. If you look carefully, verse 24, Therefore, as a consequence of this, God gave them over in in sinful desires of their hearts. You see it in verse 26, the same thing repeated. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. You see it again in verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> Stop jumping the gun. You see, God is giving people over. Um, it, it, it's, he's giving us over to the sins and punishment of our idolatry. You see, the medicine, the big sin, is exchanging God. And what is God's response to that? Well, he gives us what we want. He gives us a life free from God. He hands us over to the things which we want instead of him. He hands us over to sin, a life free from God. And I want you to notice, just as he hands us over, he also gives every part of us over. He gives every part. In those verses, verse 24, 26 and 28, he gives over our hearts. He gives over our desires. He gives over our minds. Everything, all of the parts of us are given over to sin. You see, God is literally handing us over to what we wanted, to a life free from him. And I think this is kind of hard to hear. Like you're probably sitting there and going, this God just sounds like a bit of a prick. Like that's probably what you're thinking because he's a person handing people over to evil, to a life not worth living, to sin. That's kind of how you feel. But God's anger is actively against people because he is our creator. And we have exchanged him for the creation. You see, God's anger is actively against those who don't trust and know the Lord Jesus. 
actively against them, against our family, against our friends, against people I know, people you know, because they don't love and follow the Lord Jesus. It's like all of our, our friends and family, it's like they're in a boat in a stream, drifting deeper and deeper into the rapids of sin. But more than that, it's actually as if God is pushing the boat downstream. That's the picture we get here. And God has every right because he's the creator and we have quite literally given him the middle finger. We've exchanged him for the creation. But don't worry, it gets worse. What is the result of all this? What's kind of the final wash-up? The result of this is that humanity is caught in a down spiral of sin, leading to more and more sin. We see that in verse 24 to 31, the kind of end of our passage. You see, what begins in idolatry, this kind of exchanging of God, leads to humanity degrading itself. We see it in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over to sinful desires, to the degrading of their bodies with one another. It's kind of this spiral further and further down. What begins in being oriented towards self instead of God leads to being oriented to each other in homosexuality. Verse 26 and 27. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men who also abandoned natural relations with women were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men. You see, it's a down spiral. Exchanging God leads to more and more sin. And when it mentions this sort of, uh, yeah, clearly kind of mentions homosexuality here, in one sense I want to say to you, it's not that homosexuality is a worse sin. He's going to list off a whole heap of sins here and they're all lumped together in one big group. But I think what is ironic about him mentioning homosexuality is the fact that the act of homosexuality is a mirror act of idolatry. It's a mirror act of exchanging God. You see, humanity is meant to be oriented to God, to the other. And men and women are meant to be oriented to each other, the other. But in homosexuality, men orient themselves inward to other men, to people like themselves. Women orient themselves inwardly like themselves instead of being oriented to the other, into their spouse, a man or a woman. And I think he mentions homosexuality here because it's this stark contrast, uh, this stark sort of similarity, this ironic um, pattern where it is exactly like idolatry, turning inward instead of being outward toward God. It begins in this down spiral and it keeps going. What begins in suppressing God leads to humanity being filled with every kind of evil. We see it in verse 28 to 30. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over. Verse 29, they have become filled, filled with every kind of wickedness, 
filled with every kind of evil, every kind of greed or depravity. They are full of envy, full of murder, full of strife. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. It's this down spiral. They have nothing in them that is good. They are filled with evil, such that they have no real capacity of understanding, no fidelity, no love. There's nothing really good about humanity when they are separated from the Lord Jesus. Humanity is caught in this down spiral of sin and notice where it finishes up. Verse 32, the last verse of our passage. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things, but also approve of others who practice them. This is where humanity ends up. Not just inventing evil, not just kind of continuing to do evil, but approving of evil. In the face of God. This is rebellion at its most. This is the picture of humanity without God and the gospel. And so the chief sin, the medicine, is exchanging God, and the result is a flood of lowercase sins. Sins plural. You see, the act of God, it kind of, of suppressing God, it kind of cripples every part of us. Every single part. It's just like when you throw like a, a red T-shirt or a pink T-shirt into the washing machine and it just colours every single bit of item. Like that's what the suppression of God does. It's like when you have a back problem, when the smallest bit of pain in one little part of your back just seems to cripple every single part of you that you're bedridden. And we see this in people's lives, don't we? You see, a person who merely just loves success, a man, a married man, he loves success, he loves having a great business, he loves wealth, he loves his possessions, but eventually, surely but slow, ever slowly, he eventually begins to lie about things, to lie about his timesheet or to cheat on his tax form. And then surely, a bit later, he then begins to underpay his workers. Maybe a bit, a bit further after that, he then gets sick of his wife and decides, I'm going to sleep with my co-worker instead. Then maybe after that, this person begins to owe massive amounts of debt. And then to somehow fix this problem, they begin to fire employees or commit fraud to make up the loss. And then it begins leads to divorce and then maybe a dive into drugs or substance abuse and notice where it all began in exchanging God replacing God we see this in our lives this is a pattern of my life this is a pattern of everyone's life of rejecting God replacing him leading to all sorts of sin sins that you wouldn't even think are that bad like disobeying your parents You see, how great are our sins and miseries? They're incredible. 
they're incredibly great. Humanity is caught in a down spiral of sin. Humanity is corrupt inside and out. Every part of us is touched by sin and humanity is responsible, deserving of death, guilty. And God, as the good and just God he is, is simply doing what he must. And that is justly and rightfully handing us over to sin. If this is how great our sins and miseries are, then I wonder, and as we'll think about next, is how can we be delivered from them? It seems like we're beyond deliverance, doesn't it? But the good news of the gospel is that the God who is revealing his wrath against evil is actually the same God, the same God who has revealed the gospel of Jesus. You see, you actually see that in verse 16. It's the passage I, part of the passage I skipped over. We see it there at the beginning that the righteousness of God is being revealed. That the gospel is the power to save people. You see, the good news is that God, the God who is revealing his wrath against evildoers, is the same God who holds out mercy in the gospel. In the saving work of the Father, Son and Spirit, this down spiral of sin is undone. You see, if you are in Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, you are not condemned. You are not guilty, even though you were once guilty. You see, you are no longer under the wrath of God. If you're a Christian, you have been pulled out of this down spiral of sin. You are no longer under God's just anger because the Son took his anger for you. We are no longer condemned because the Son was condemned. If you're a Christian, if you love and trust the Lord Jesus, you are one who's being transformed into the image of God's Son. You see, we are becoming more and more sinful. But now by the power of the Spirit, God is making us more and more holy like the Lord Jesus. We are being filled with everything good and we're given the resources to say no to sin and to say yes to good things. You see, if you are in the Lord Jesus, if you have faith in him, you are no longer a child of wrath, but you are a child of God. If you're a Christian, God is no longer your judge, but your father. And you are his child. You see, and those who are in the Lord Jesus, who have faith in him, they are not kind of on the way to death. They're not leading to death. But they are those who are awaiting Jesus' return and he will usher us all in to the new creation. See, although we've fallen short of the glory of God, As chapter 3 says, we will actually one day be glorified with the Lord Jesus, made new in heaven. See, this is how we're delivered from all our sins and miseries. It's by our God and Father and the Son and the Spirit. Last year, Beck and I were watching the show Bondi Rescue. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, It's a good show. It's good to watch the lifesavers do their thing. But other than that, one of the interesting things was that whilst there was a show which was a bit of a comedy at times, 
there were all these, always these moments where, these dark moments, where these lifesavers would see someone in the water, face down, not responding, dead. And they would swim out and they'd drag them onto their board and then they'd drag them ashore. And then you'd just see, you'd see the images were crazy, like there'd be a crowd surrounding them and here are these lifesavers doing CPR, trying to bring this person back to life. They were dead. They were literally on the sand, not responding. And in one sense, that's kind of what's happened to us in the Lord Jesus. We were all those who were dead, all those face down in the water. And then by the grace of God, Jesus has grabbed us and dragged us out of the water and he has given us life. We were dead, face down, not responding out of breath, out of life, in the waves of Bondi Beach. But he's dragged us on shore and resuscitated us. That's what's happened in the Lord Jesus. And so I want to say this morning as we finish up that your sins and miseries are incredible. And even today they might still feel incredible. But super incredible is the God who delivers us. And I think above all that this should actually make us happy. It should make us happy in life and in death because as we gaze at our sin and we see the depth of the problem, we actually better appreciate the solution. We better appreciate the God who has saved us. As one of my lecturers had said to me, for the sinner to be saved, God must do all the work. And so God does. God repairs, reproduces, heals in sinners everything which was destroyed and damaged by sin. God is the main architect and person of the story. It's as the Apostle Paul says at the end of his book in Romans. He has this beautiful bit where he finishes and he says this, and this is what we'll finish on. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Or who has given him a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our sin runs so deep and it's so deep that we need to be reminded and taught sometimes how sinful we truly are because sometimes we're just so oblivious to what you've saved us from and we thank you that you've brought us out from your wrath now into a relationship with you as our Father. And Father, I pray that these two truths, the sinfulness of sin and your super abundant grace, that these two things would make us happy. Happy, joyful, full of life in the face of all things. Because you are so great and you are so kind and so merciful to us. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit might bring these truths to light in our hearts by your 
by your abundant power. In Jesus' name, amen.